Welcome to the Red Light Report, your number one source for all things red light therapy, where you will learn how to optimize your health, wellness, and longevity with the power of photobiomodulation. I'm your host, Dr. Mike Belkowski. All right, everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Red Light Report. And anytime we get to talk about quantum health, circadian health, it's a great day. And we have one of the queens of quantum health, I'll, I'll dub her, and Sarah Kleiner. And just a quick background on her. She's a quantum health coach uh, with the Quantum Biology Collective, both levels one and two. She's a certified nutrition coach with NASM, and she just completed a new biology curriculum with Dr. Tom Cowan. And Dr. Tom Cowan has a couple of books I absolutely love. I, I read them a couple of years ago at this point. I think one of them is, what is it, Sarah Cosmic Heart? Do you remember off the top yes. of your head? I've got them all on my bookshelf, like to That's the right of me. Here, but but he has two books. Another yeah. one about uh, water and cancer. Love those books. Highly yes. recommend to people. Cancer and the New Biology exactly. fantastic. Absolutely. Yes. And on top of that, not to cut you off, Sarah, but you have over 14 years of experience working one-on-one -on -one with clients to optimize nutrition, lifestyle, and mindset. And her goal is to shift the paradigm when it comes to circadian rhythms, health, and light, and to help people integrate these principles into their lives in a modern world. And, and ladies and gentlemen, if you check out her Instagram, Sarah Kleiner Wellness, mm -hmm. just like we've been talking about with a couple of other interviewers, like the information Sarah has on her feed for Instagram and other places, I'm sure, is just a wealth of knowledge. I mean, you could spend days, it's like reading a book, uh, the amount of information she has on quantum health, circadian health. And a lot of stuff we'll talk about today. So hopefully this whets your beak to go check out her Instagram and, and follow Sarah and all the information she provides. But uh, to wrap this up, Sarah, welcome to the Red Light Report. Thanks for joining me today. Thank you. I'm so honored to be here. And thank you for that lovely introduction. I just, you know, before we turn on the camera, I just keep was saying the interview that you did on my channel. I think it's been a couple years ago, maybe is still the episode I send people to when they're wanting to learn about red light therapy and truly deep dive, understand the knowledge and the science. So I am honored to be here and I really appreciate all of your work. I think it's absolutely life-changing. Thanks, Sarah. Appreciate it. Right back at you. And like I said, before we started recording, this is this episode interviewing you, having you as a guest has been a long time coming just with your wealth and knowledge on quantum health, circadian health. We were talking, you know, a lot of similarities between what you and, and Carrie Bennett promote as far as circadian health, a little bit of Dr. Jack Cruz uh, education background. But with that being said, just just give us a little background into how you got into quantum health and circadian health, because it's certainly not something we learn in school. So how did you get into this field? Well, I think a lot of us that kind of get into the alternative health space, we have these health crises, you know, it's like, we're trying to just go by the book and we're trying alternative things. And it's like, we find the thing that actually makes the big difference. And for me, circadian biology and quantum biology was that thing that made the difference. And I had started putting out information online in 2019 for the carnivore diet. I was doing the carnivore diet and it was, it was life-changing when I began. I, you know, had had lifelong issues with IBS and eczema and really, really painful monthly cycles and skin issues. It just, it was like, I had so many things that carnivore diet, just even a couple weeks of it, all of that disappeared. The problem was, you know, <laughs> I feel like with elimination diets, I had kind of made it like my whole profile, my whole personality. And I was beginning to have hormonal issues, thyroid issues, which a lot of people do when they are in ketosis for an extended amount of time. And I was trying to get pregnant. Like I, I have a daughter who is 16 now with non-speaking autism and she's what got me kind of red pilled. I don't even know if I like that term anymore, but kind of took me out of the allopathic medical model and realized that there was something that it wasn't, it wasn't a good idea to, to follow this allopathic medical model because she had essentially a, an injury from a standard medical practice that all children get and lost all of her speech language, everything at, at a very young age at about 13, 14 months. And so I had been on this alternative health path for many, many years and I had, you know, kept saying, well, when things get easier with her, I'm going to have another baby. I'm going to have another baby. And here we, you know, I'm 40, 41 years old. I'm like, crap, it's not easier. And I really want this baby. And so I'd been doing carnivore. It got rid of a lot of things for me, but 
I was having all these miscarriages and I'm like, what the heck, you know? And then I stumbled upon, well, it was the opportunity to interview Dr. Jack Cruz was presented to me and that changed everything for me. That was in the summer of 2021. And, and I had already, I was already beginning the, the IVF process, which failed. I did two rounds of it. We never got any viable embryos. But after that interview, he was like, you need to learn about leptin. You need to learn about light and these things, deuterium, these things are going to be the key for you to getting pregnant and having a really healthy baby. And that's when I also stumbled upon red light therapy. I had read some interesting information that showed women over 40 using red light therapy and having successful pregnancies over the age of 40. I think the oldest woman was like maybe even 50 or something like that. And I'm like, well, shoot, I'm buying a panel. I'm doing this circadian biology thing, hook, line, and sinker. Started all of that like July, 2021. Um, again, went through the IVF that didn't work, but in January, 2022, got a positive pregnancy test. And now my son is 16 months old. I call him my little quantum baby. And he's just like, he's amazing. He's a little wonder baby and talking and now I'm starting to imitate things I'm doing. I'm like, oh my, I, uh, yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm super passionate about teaching this stuff because I like I was so strict on diet and I was so strict on nutrition, nutrition, nutrition. And it wasn't until I implemented the principles of light into my life that I saw the biggest sustainable changes in my health. Um, after, like I said, when my daughter kind of had her regression, I went into alternative health and I was searching for things for years and tried all kinds of things. Um, and this has been the thing that's been sustainable, got me through a whole pregnancy. My labor and delivery was amazing, like <laughs> door to door, three hours easy. It's been fantastic. And then losing the baby weight. You know, I, I've been overweight my whole life. I've struggled with like a hundred pound weight loss. I've done that three times. And so I'm thinking, oh gosh, I'm giving birth at 43 years old. I've gained this weight from pregnancy. It's going to be hard for me to lose it. And no, I implemented the circadian biology, quantum biology, all the things that I know. And I'm actually in better shape now than I was before I even got pregnant. So I'm just a huge believer in this work. And I try to put out as much information as I can for free because I know not everyone can deal with a paywall. But yeah, I, I love talking about it. Well, that's an amazing story, Sarah. I appreciate you sharing that with us. I mean, let's just start with the low-hanging fruit, which is like you you mentioned how light impacted your health so much amongst other things, deuterium. What, what were the steps or what actions did you take or what habits did you implement that led to these profound changes in you getting a healthy pregnancy and losing all this weight and so forth? The biggest thing I think was morning sunlight and blocking blue light at night. Those two things, and they sound too simple to actually work. I think that they're the most impactful. When I started doing that, I started having regular cycles. I mean, it was like, what? That something this simple is impacting my hormones on such a deep, deep level, which is what made me study leptin and do all these deep dives into understanding how our hormones, how our gut, how our immune system, how all of these things are impacted by getting that morning light sunrise and UVA in particular, and being super consistent about it. And then the blocking blue light at night, you know, melatonin is a reproductive hormone. And so if you're not making enough melatonin, you want to have balanced hormones, you want to have a healthy metabolism, you want to get pregnant, like, forget it. And so those two things sounded way too simple to be true. But I think that they were the most impactful things that I did above all else. Well, guys, BioLite has what's called bundles. So simply go to the BioLite website, BioLite.shop, go into products, and there will be a tab for bundles. With each of these bundles, there's three of them, you save 20% off on the entire package. For example, we have the Beauty Bundle, which includes a Shine and Stand, a Guardian Plus, and the Longev Revive Cream. So that bundle of three products, you save 20% off the entire package. There's the Recovery Bundle. That includes the Recharge Plus panel, the Guardian mouthpiece, and then the Longev recover cream and that recover cream is just like the revive cream except it has added cbd oil infused into it that package of three items all comes at 20 percent off and then the last bundle which is the most versatile bundle in the sense that you get to pick and choose what products you want you get to pick and choose from the recharge plus panel the restore plus panel or the matrix full body mat and then you get to choose between the guardian and guardian plus and then you get to choose between the revive and the recover cream it also includes the shine and stand so you get to choose between 
black, and silver. By purchasing those four products in the Ultimate Bundle, you save 20% off all of the products. You also save 20% off shipping. So literally, the entire package and shipping is 20% off. So if you're ever needing some red light therapy products and are looking for a discount, just remember, the bundles are always 20% off. 365 days a year, no coupon code necessary. So what does that look like? Let's just dig a little deeper. So when you say morning sunrise, what time of the morning, how long, how many days per week, and then and then with the blue light blocking, um, how are you implementing during, during the day those glasses if you are? And then what is the threshold for you initiating them during night if, if there's a differentiation between day and night with, with blue, blue light blocking glasses? Absolutely. So morning, I just downloaded the Deminder app. You can also just use the weather app on your phone. So I, the the time of sunrise changes every day, just by a little tiny bit. I had, didn't even know this <laughs> until I started implementing this, that like the sunrise in the summer is completely different time than in the winter. And so I started just looking at the night before, like, okay, sunrise in the morning is XYZ time. And I'm going to have my alarm set and be out at that time. And so the first, literally the first three days, I had to set an alarm to get out there. After three days, my body just started naturally waking up at that time. All I would do is just go outside, look outside. I mean, there were trees and all kinds of stuff. I'm in Georgia. There's tons of trees here. So there's tons of trees in the way. I didn't have to have a perfect view of the sun. I just would go outside at that time and put my feet on the ground, do a little bit of grounding because we there's a ton of benefits with that as well. But I just started doing that. And then the next little window of time that's important is UVA. So Deminder will tell you when the sun is between zero and 10 degrees, that's sunrise time. There are specific wavelengths of light that go through your eye, through the suprachiasmatic nucleus that inform your brain of, okay, time of day, time of year, if there's a specific amount of blue light to tell your body, let's stop making melatonin, stop making melatonin, let's start gradually making cortisol in this really natural way. And then UVA is that next window of time when the sun's between 10 and 30. Ideally, I would try to get out at UVA rise. And that's, you know, HPA, HPG axes are turned on, thyroid, sex hormones, all of that magic kind of happens in that UVA window. So I was just really consistent with Going outside at those two times, if I could stay out the whole time, I would. I have a special needs daughter. And so, like, obviously, there's going to be days where I'm up with her or she, you know, I'm busy, but I would just at least go outside, just peek my head outside. So that's the morning story. And then I would start eating breakfast because I fasted for years. I, you know, I was trying to control my weight with intermittent fasting. And so I wouldn't eat anything till like 11, 12, 1, you know, try to push it out as long as I could. I didn't realize how that was also really creating an issue with my hormones, my cortisol as well. And so I gradually started adding in a nice high protein breakfast, right? Or I just would take it outside with me and eat it in sunrise. And I did that year round. So even in the, you know, I'm in Georgia, so it gets to be, you know, in the twenties here in the winter. So it does get to be cold, but we don't have like below zero (laughs) Fahrenheit temps like some places do. So those people, I do have clients like that. So we work around that in other ways. But that's my story of just, I was really consistent with those things. And with the blue light blockers, um, like right now, for instance, I have a big window in front of me. It's open, uh, cracked open. So I'm getting that natural light frequency. And I have a software on my computer called Iris. I don't have any artificial lights on in this room. I just am blessed to have like a house that has a lot of windows. If I was sitting in a room with artificial lights, like a studio, I would be wearing the yellow tinted blue blockers. And I would make sure that I took time to go outside to see the natural light frequency because you can, if you wear the yellow blue blockers all day, I think you can block too much blue light and that can, that can be detrimental in its own way as well. So we need, blue light is not, the devil in all shapes and forms. It's an it's information. So we want as much information from the sunlight and that blue light changing throughout the day for optimal hormone balance, for cortisol, for the for those hormones. At night, as soon as the sun sets, I'm where I usually I'll put the yellow ones on, you know, and then but probably an hour or so before I go to bed, I'll wear red. Um, that's just me. I have a pair of orange that I will wear sometimes in the winter too, but that's I, I try to just not let perfect be the enemy of good. And I have like a visceral reaction now if it's 
after sunset and it's dark and I don't have blue lock, blue light blocking glasses on, I don't feel, I'm like, I just don't feel well. But those are, yeah, those are the habits. Those are the way I use those tools. It, that reminds me that your last little comment there is like, if you've been eating junk food or fast food for, for years and years of your life, and then you stop for a while, eat healthy food, and then you go back and try to eat that junk food again, it just doesn't feel right. It just feels ugh, yeah. right? a little dirty. Um, so it's interesting to hear that comment about light as well and how your physiology can react. And along this journey, Sarah, where at what point, I think it was early on, the red light therapy was implemented and like, how did you utilize mm -hmm. it? Was it like a full body device where you just doing consistent daily treatments? Like what was your, I guess, mode of operation with red light therapy? Yeah, I was just kind of being intuitive about it. I didn't really, I didn't know about your information yet. I was already pregnant when I, when I stumbled upon your information. So I just had a panel that's probably from about my head to um, bottom of the torso height, just would prop on the floor. And I would literally just go from like the neck down and sit in front of it, abdomen, chest, gut, everything for probably about 10 minutes on the front. And then I'd turn around and like do my back for 10 minutes. So I, I would just do 20 minutes and probably five days a week. During the winter time, I also used Asperity vitamin D lamp in combination with the red light device, um, in combination with good circadian health, which is the other two things I just mentioned, because I don't think that those devices are safe if you're not exposing yourself to natural wavelengths of light and you're not blocking blue light at night, it's you're you're just you're putting yourself at risk. Um, but I did I did do that during my pregnancy because I was oh you know my doctor's pressuring me to take uh, vitamin D supplements and so I did that. But yeah, the red light therapy I started that I think probably in August and was really consistent with it. I kept on, I kept on reading that, that article that I was just like, okay, this is it. I'm going to, this is going to be, this is going to, I'm going to have a baby, you know? And I really feel like it was very, very helpful in the overall journey. Did you have any detox reactions initially when starting red light therapy? I know some people do. I'm just kind of curious who does and doesn't. I did not. To me, it felt amazing. And I I would like want to stay in front of it for an hour. <laughs> I'm like, if, but I kind of intuitively knew I shouldn't do that. No one ever told me not to do that. But I just kind of intuitively felt, okay, I probably don't need an hour of this. I probably just need, you know, 10, 20 minutes and then that's enough. But no, for me, I wanted more. I just wanted to be in front of it more and more and more. But yeah, I've had multiple clients at this point that do have a little detox reaction. So it's like, we have to start them off a lot slower. Sure. Interesting. And yet very smart intuition because I think it's very easy when something works and feels good. You just want more and more and more. Where with red light therapy, for the most part, that's not the case. With your origin story, so to speak, you you glossed over a lot of, not glossed over, it was a great story, but <laughs> there's a lot of points to take home there. One of them was grounding. We could spend a whole episode on grounding. and oh, yeah. But you mentioned leptin. And I know a lot of people, especially that are from the school of Dr. Jack Cruz, are very familiar with leptin. Uh, but many others who are just kind of getting into the health and wellness regimen, mitochondrial health, quantum health, um, might not be as aware of leptin and its importance. So can you break that down for us? Yeah, I mean, it was discovered in 1994. And Cruz has a ton of amazing blog posts articles about leptin. He's the one that got me really interested in studying it deeper. He's the only person really out there. I mean, there's more of us now, me and Carrie, and there's other clinicians talking about this, but he's really the person who's done the most around this and, and connects it as a light hormone. If you really look for information on leptin, you're going to be like, oh, here's a leptin diet or people that are these doctors that are talking about leptin, they never really talk about it as a light hormone. And it, it is, it's a master circadian signaling hormone. It signals the thyroid. We have leptin receptors in our heart, which is fascinating. Uh, signal. It's a controller of sex hormones, controls the glucose insulin axis. So if you have issues, it's a precursor to insulin resistance. So you're leptin resistant before before you become insulin resistant. It's a sign of metabolic dysfunction. And I think a lot of people have leptin resistance. So it's, it's, if you're trying to get pregnant or if you're just trying to have hormonal balance, if you're dealing with PCOS, if you're dealing with hot flashes, there's so many of these different hormonal issues. Leptin is, is a key, key, you know, signaling hormone that you need to pay attention to. And so, you know, a lot of doctors and People talk about insulin resistance and 
Uh, that's why I did the fasting. That's why I was always fasting because I was worried about insulin resistance and it was actually creating kind of a physiological insulin resistance by me doing that. And cortisol dysregulation and cortisol and leptin are actually interrelated as well. There's a, there's a synergistic relationship there. And so leptin, it has to dock to the hypothalamus at night. There's a specific receptor in the brain it's supposed to dock to every night between 12 and 2. About that time, it may vary from person to person, but what it does is it gives a report of energy and information. So it's like how much stored energy is on the body. So the next day, again, hormones, thyroid, immune system, all these different systems in the body take direction from this download that's supposed to be happening. What Distur- you know, what disturbs this, if you're not making enough endogenous melatonin, if artificial light at night can disturb this, not sleeping can disturb this. Insulin competes with leptin for that receptor space. So if you've eaten something before bed that's caused your insulin to go up, then that docking is not going to necessarily happen. And so when you're leptin resistant, the stored energy on your body and your brain are not communicating and your body doesn't actually know how much energy it has. So this is going to directly impact your appetite. Everyone says it's an appetite hormone, but then they don't go further of like, yeah, it's an appetite hormone, but look at all these other things that it's impacting as well. And so when you can actually look at your lifestyle and the way that you eat all of that, and relate it back to leptin and have the goal of leptin sensitivity, I see people getting tremendous results. And so I've, you know, I have a 21 day leptin reset protocol that I've created and it's been around for almost three years or no, two, almost two years now. Um, I was piloting it with myself and my personal clients for the first year. And then I was having so much amazing, so many amazing results from that, just kind of piloting my private practice on myself. And obviously it helped me get pregnant. But I created a course and now I've had thousands of people do the course and have tremendous, tremendous success when they've tried, you know, calorie counting, 10,000 steps a day and, you know, calories in, calories out. And they're just super frustrated. So it's I, I feel like it has the potential to be really life changing when people shift their paradigm of how they look at energy and the body and this hormonal process that that we're all supposed to go through. What are the maybe the top three things one would notice if they are leptin insensitive and they flip the switch and become leptin sensitive. First thing that people typically notice is like better regulation of appetite. So a lot of people, you know, they eat something and then they need a snack an hour later, you know, and this is insulin sensitivity as well, but people needing to constantly eat all the time, eating and not quite feeling full, just just it, but they know they've had enough. Like I've, I've obviously eaten plenty of food. I'm already overweight. Why is my body still craving more food? And so that's one of the first things people notice is this appetite regulation. The other thing I would say that maybe even happens before the appetite regulation, when they follow a leptin protocol, like the one I, I talk about is better sleep. They start to sleep better and they start to have more energy during the day. And that's, I I would say those three things, first, better sleep, more energy, and then an appetite correction begins to happen. So it's like, I don't have to try so hard to count every morsel of food that comes into my mouth and is ending up on my body as stored energy that I don't want there. It kind of becomes more of this intuitive process. And I imagine that goes hand in hand with kind of your story about, because I'm kind of in the situation right now, actually, Sarah, where... I do my intermittent fasting protocol, but that's turned into, I don't eat breakfast often, if at all, you know? So yeah, yeah. I think I'm currently on the path you were. I'm not overweight, but I would like to lose weight. So talk to me like I'm your client and give me the benefits or the motivation to begin eating breakfast again, to kind of normalize this appetite rhythm, if you will, because on the flip side, since I don't eat breakfast in the morning, Um, I have my main meal in the early afternoon, but then I do eat in the evening and I know that's like my Mm -hmm. heel. So again, from your perspective and your, your quantum and circadian, um, expertise, talk me into eating breakfast again. I know it's a hard sell. It's such a hard sell because we've been just like, and it was for me too, like you skip the breakfast intermittent fast. You need the 16 hour fasting window, eight hour eating window, And so, yeah, it was hard for me. And then after years of not eating breakfast, it was hard to flip that switch and change things up. 
But for leptin signaling, we need the light signal. We also need that protein. So that protein is super important to stimulate leptin in the morning. And then we don't want to be eating too close to bed. Again, we don't want to be eating at night. That's going to raise body temperature. I mean, you know, all this stuff as a clinician, it's going to, you're, you're still going to be kind of in that digesting mode when you should be sleeping. It's going to stop as much melatonin from being secreted if you're still kind of processing food, but it's really just, it's, it's about signaling. Leptin is the signaling hormone. And so we have to provide the body with the correct signal. So the morning sunrise and the UVA crucial that protein in the morning and fat is also really helpful to stabilize your blood sugar because what ends up happening, like I said, I had this kind of physiologic insulin resistance that I have a, a ton of people. It's more women than men, but I am getting more and more men lately. When you get up, even if you're, you know, having this good quantum morning, a lot of times we are drinking coffee, we're running around, we're busy, we're checking emails and cortisol is just going up, 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 up. And that's causing the adrenals to have to overwork as well. And so, you know, in our, our, our modern life is stressful. If you can go live on the beach and, you know, Ryan Carter is a nutritionist I'm friends with, and he lives in Nicaragua on the beach out there every morning, you know, if you can live that kind of lifestyle, then you could probably get away with skipping breakfast more often, you know, and having some coffee sure. first, yeah. but most of us don't, we don't live that life. And so that morning protein and fat, stabilize the blood sugar, get signal leptin. Okay, here we are. That is going to help give you more sustained, cleaner energy through the day. And then I do skip dinner quite often. You know, I really, I'm just to, and Carrie's like this too. We've talked about it a lot on our quantum conversations podcast. I'll usually have a, a, a good breakfast in the morning and then, you know, lunch, sometimes a late lunch around two or three. And then I'm just not hungry for dinner when it rolls around, especially in the winter time. Now in the summer, there's more light. I may be a little more hungry because it's just, I'm out in the day doing more, but winter time, a lot of the time I'm just like, just, yeah, I'm not really hungry. And so it takes, it takes a little bit of time for that switch to flip. But once it does, it, it just makes such a huge difference in stress hormones your energy. And then again, leptin, you become a lot more leptin sensitive and the weight loss is crazy. Like my husband's like, you have never looked this good. You're 44 years old, almost 45. Never looked this good the whole time. 20 years I've known you, you've struggled to lose weight, you know, gain weight, lose weight, get this diet. Let's try that diet. Let's do this protocol. And he's like, what are you doing? He, he's like, what are you doing? Are you doing the weight loss? Drug? I'm like, no, I'm not doing a freaking weight loss drugs. You crazy. I'm literally just practicing what I preach and it really, really works. And so, yeah, I, that it's kind of just a matter of flipping that switch and, and getting the process started to becoming more leptin sensitive. So metabolically, hormonally, and probably from a circadian rhythm standpoint, completely flipping my current paradigm, like what you just said, you skip dinners while I'm skipping mm -hmm. breakfast. And, and that's really the, the switch I need to make hormonally, metabolically to get my engines running as they should be. Yeah. Yeah. I see it work really, really well. Especially, you know, I have a lot of people that have been long-term carnivore, long-term keto. My whole page used to be carnivore up until I think it was the end of 2022. I switched it over to just Sarah Kleiner wellness and took the carnivore kind of out. Cause I was like, yeah, this is not really super resonating with me anymore. I still do have some days where I'll eat carnivore style and especially more so in the winter, but I do cycle. I do, I do work to be metabolically flexible. You know, I do have sure. days where we'll have sweet potato or just regular potato or God forbid, I eat a little something that's like completely off plan now. And it doesn't wreck my body completely. Uh, my body is sees it kind of like a hormetic stress and it's like, boom, okay, cool. We got this, which I never thought I would deal with because I used to be the person that would eat a slice of cake and feel like crap for a couple of days and then just crave cake and just be obsessed with it. Like, okay, now I got to go back to the grocery store and get more cake. And it was like, all <laughs> I could think about yep. now that I've kind of flipped this switch with becoming leptin sensitive, I can have a, you know, a slice of cake. And the next day I actually wake up and I'm like, am I actually skinnier today? Like, this is bizarre because my body kind of sees it as like, let's take care of this. And my metabolism can handle it now. So it's a, uh, don't try this at home. <laughs> I've been doing this for a few years now, but that's just kind of the the way that I think people can get their metabolism running that way, even in your you know 40s and beyond. 
Yeah, that's a good point. So the metabolism as well. So just to use me as the example again, the way I've constructed my eating windows is not feasible or doesn't necessarily lend itself to weight loss. And that's not something Mm -hmm. where you can out-exercise like a poorly structured diet, not not quality of ingredients, but timing, right? It comes down to timing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like I could be banging my head against the wall, like I kind of currently am doing a bunch of exercise, but the weight almost doesn't, not only does it not come off, it almost slowly trickles more. Off. That was Spe- me. That was me. Yeah. And that speaks to the hormones. That speaks to the cortisol, the stress. Interesting. Well, maybe this is the motivation I need, Sarah. Maybe by the time I'm on your podcast, yes. I'm not sure how much time that'll be, but maybe I'll have a positive story for you. I'm sure I will. Cause I'll, after this podcast, I mean, it's almost 10 o'clock my time, but I'll go have a high protein breakfast. Nice. Kick yeah, it off. Ease into it. Ease into it. You know, a post I did on Instagram this morning was like going outside for sunrise for two minutes is better than zero. Having totally. two eggs for breakfast is better than zero. You know, we get into this perfection mindset of like, if I don't sit outside for half an hour and I don't have like 30 grams of protein at breakfast, because two eggs is like 10 grams, you know, it's like not very much protein. Um, And all these like holistic girlies are like, FYI, two eggs is not a good breakfast. And I'm like, you know what? (laughs) If somebody, if somebody has been running off their stress hormones for years on end and they haven't eaten breakfast in multiple years and they can just start with a couple of eggs just to get into that habit and 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 let their body start realizing they can digest food at that time of day because it does take a little bit of time then I'm I'm cool with it you know like let's stop setting the bar up here because if once you begin to establish those daily habits of just a little bit of time at sunrise eat that breakfast it gets easier because it starts to feel really good like I was shocked at how addictive the morning sunlight is and then when you study you know, what it does for your neurotransmitters, it's like, this makes perfect sense. You know, when you study what it does for appetite regulation via POMC, it's like, okay, this may, there's, there's actual science that backs this up. It's not just some woo woo girl telling me, go look at this, you know, <laughs> cause that's what it sounded like to me when I was presented with the information. But then when I found Cruz and his work, I'm like, oh yeah, this makes perfect sense. But it's it is a paradigm shift when when we look at it compared to a lot of the information that's out there. Yeah, Dr. Cruz really drives it home, doesn't he? Yeah. It, it it can be very very deep deep science, but if you can understand it or just listen to it multiple times and begin to piece it together, it totally makes sense intuitively and just physiologically and evolutionary perspective wise. Yeah. It just makes total sense. Yeah. And I think I've been doing yeah. the sunrise when I first started listening to Jack Cruz was when I did my first conference or like showcasing BioLite at a conference in Las Vegas. And I drove from Missoula to Las Vegas because I got into that show so late. I didn't have time to get plane tickets and I had to bring all this stuff that I just drove. Mm-hmm. And so I spent virtually between driving there and back over 20 hours listening to all of the Jack Cruz podcasts I could listen to, which sounds crazy. Like I was just talking oh. about, I was able to listen to him say the similar message in different ways time and again and again and again and so ever since that moment in time which was october of 2019 i've been doing the morning sunrise clearly i need to up my game with the lipton resistance protocol and how i'm eating um but speaking directly to the morning sunrise i've been doing that for about four and a half years now Mm. to your point it is pretty addicting it feels great every time i do it yeah 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 it's it's amazing and i was that way with cruise when I was after I interviewed him, I'm like, because I had I just had been a little closed off to his work. But after I actually talked to him and picked his brain for a little bit, I couldn't get enough. I'm like, all right, I, I literally would just lay out in the sun, go on these like two and a half hour long walks outside, you know, and and just listen to cruise podcasts like nonstop. And so, yeah, it's it's one of those things I feel like you kind of need a medical degree to read his blogs and like actually understand them. And so it can be over a lot of people's heads. Um, so we need more people that are out there talking about this and translating the information and making it accessible. Well, absolutely. And that's what's beautiful about what you and Carrie are doing is you're kind of the middleman or, or breaking it down into layman's terms. Here you are, you know, educating us. Like it's very easy to understand uh, the benefits of these different health strategies. But yeah, you dig into those cruise blogs and 
even if you have a science degree, it's like, whoa, my head hurts after the first yeah. paragraph. It's, it's amazing how intelligent he is and kind of his genius of patching all of this together. And on the top of, topic of like morning routines with food, you talked about coffee. And that's another thing I'm probably, I'm not probably, I am a culprit of is I fast, I wake up, and the first thing I have is some espresso. So, yeah. so that's another way that Sarah, I'm wrecking or I'm just perpetuating that cortisol rise. In a, in a bad mm -hmm. way. It can be. I mean, there's a there's some scientific literature that shows that it can elevate cortisol on an empty stomach. There is there's literature on that. It's a a lot of people get upset when you talk about it because a lot of people do it. You know, it's like you get out of bed and you get that coffee going and you start feeling really good and being getting stuff done. Um, but there is literature to show that. What I do, you know, when I was trying to get pregnant and when I was pregnant, I didn't touch coffee at all. Now I will wake up sunrise, mineral water, breakfast, really try to be awake for at least 90 minutes. And then if I want a cup of coffee, I'll have a cup of coffee. So I don't think it has to be off the table because I love coffee. You know, yeah. I don't think it has to be off the table entirely. I gave it up for a couple of years and I did feel good. Um, but I do enjoy a little coffee, especially in the colder winter. I might try to give it up again this spring, summer, but yeah, it, it, you Actually, I feel like you have cleaner energy when you do the sunrise and the food first, allow the cortisol to come up naturally rather than, you know, giving, giving yourself coffee as the cortisol is naturally rising, it can kind of sh like skyrocket it, you know? Sure. sure. Yeah. And so the kicker, especially is not on an empty stomach. You want to do a post or with the meal, I suppose, like if you're trying to counteract that cortisol rise. Yeah, I would do. I mean, I prefer after, but if like, don't let perfect be the enemy of good. Right, right. It's like if you really, if, if you really want to have a little coffee with your food, I don't think it's going to kill you just as long as you're having the food to kind of bring the blood sugar to stabilize it. But yeah. Well, the issue with me, Sarah, quite frankly, is I don't drink coffee for the energy because I don't get energy from coffee. And that probably says a lot mm -hmm. about my hormones as well. Mm -hmm. I just drink it for the flavor. And so regardless, you know, I'm going to have to switch up my paradigm and, and get this fixed. This is, this is like a masterclass for Mike. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is great. And it's kind of crazy, Sarah, because the reason I am the way I am is because I've learned the things I've learned. And it's like, that's one of the beautiful things of being in this space. As long as you have the ability to have the humbleness or the the know-how to learn to unlearn or at least be adaptable, not just be stuck in your ways because you learned about something mm -hmm. five or six years ago. Like information changes all the time. And yes. granted, what you're teaching and what Cruz is teaching is evolutionary. So I don't think we're going to be changing that. But again, as long as you're willing to unlearn, to improve and, and, and adapt to something new, I think that's that's especially important. But I was looking through your Instagram post, and one that popped out to me is I think it was a post with you and Harry. And maybe this is a segue from the conversation we were just having, but the the uh, the title was Why Your Supplements and Red Light Therapy Aren't Working. And I didn't have time mm -hmm. to listen to the conversation, but can you dig into uh, what that was about? You know, Carrie and I both, and we were not necessarily seeing this five years ago because both of her and I have been in health coaching for years and years and nutrition coaching. People are coming to us with really dysregulated nervous systems. And when your nervous system is really dysregulated, you're kind of stuck, not even necessarily in fight flight, but fight, fight, flight, freeze. So it's actually a branch of the parasympathetic nervous system where you're kind of in this shutdown mode, not, not in fight, flight, but fight, fight, freeze. We're finding this more and more with people and they're having these like paradoxical reactions to supplements. So maybe they take melatonin and they're wired. Like they can't sleep. They do red light therapy and it, they have a horrible detox reaction. These are the people I'm getting that have really, really bad detox reactions to red light therapy. Cause I, I was like, red light therapy feels so good. I want to do it for hours a day. How are people having like a bad react? How is this possible? And so her and I are always talking. I, I talk with Dr. Sarah Pugh a lot too. I just keep in touch with a lot of these kind of quantum clinicians that are talking with people on a daily basis. And so we're just really finding a lot more people with the nervous system dysregulation. And it's it's not that it can't be fixed, but it is creating these kind of paradoxical, you know, even reactions to magnesium more and more these days. And I think it's just kind of the state of the world and society and how we're kind of glued to our phones and computers and notifications and people going through super traumatic, difficult things. And not really knowing how to deal with them. And so they get trapped in this nervous system dysregulation 
and it, it it does make things more challenging for them. So what is is the way out basically to reverse that behavior or or what's the thought process as far as normal yeah, nervous uh, system? You know, I think there's many ways to do this, not just one. I'm a big fan of Irene Lyon. I've had her on my podcast multiple times. She's a good friend of mine because when I was also going through all of this miscarriage and all this really hard traumatic stuff, uh, I found her, I found her work and went through some of her programs and it was really life-changing to me. And it's more, it's like a lot of somatic work kind of just based on, again, being, just being present with the body and not necessarily like meditation, breath work. While I think those are helpful, it's more about being able to be present in the body, feel the body against kind of like somatic experiencing. And the quantum circadian work just goes beautifully with this because a lot of Irene's work is like what she calls orienting. So like, okay, I'm in the room. What color is the paint on the walls? What does the texture of this chair feel like that I'm, you know, it's like you're doing the work and you're like, oh my God, this is so like simple. But I think that that's key for people because they've gotten so disconnected. I love her program. I've had seen some people go through like Gupta or DNRS, but I, I think it's important. And I'm, we're doing some stuff with my daughter right now with Dr. Melillo. I don't know if you've heard of him. He's kind of, he's the disconnected brain guy. And, you know, she's been dealing with some pretty serious autoimmune uh, issues. Like it's been crazy over the last year. And so she can't really do, she, because she's nonverbal autistic, she can't really do a lot of the exercises, the physical exercises that he does to help balance the brain. And so we've just ordered this laser. Um, He's having success with kids like her that are having these really crazy autoimmune conditions, behavior issues, using laser therapy to stimulate certain parts of the brain. And so I'm waiting for my laser to show up. So uh, we'll see how that works. And if it really can help with this nervous, because I think a lot of autoimmune conditions, a lot of health conditions there's a nervous system component to it. And so as a clinician, I'm I'm just kind of watching. I've like I said, I've seen people do Gupta DNRS. I've had a ton of people I send to Irene to do her programs. And now for my daughter, she can't really do a lot of that work. We're gonna try this uh this laser, see <laughs> see how it goes. Yeah. So yeah. Well, you have to let me know what kind of results you get with that laser because that's that's fascinating. If if it does end up working, that'd be huge. Yeah, he's got people all over the world, you know, and the, the kids are they're in bad shape. They're they've tried everything, hyperbaric, you know, all the things. And it's none of its work for them. It's actually kind of made it worse for some kids. And so he's got kids from all over the world that fly to New York to work with him and can literally just do this laser therapy for as little as a few days and see positive changes. And then after months oh. on end, see that, you know. These kids are dealing with like pans pandas, these serious conditions, and they have done all the all the functional medicine stuff. Again, it's kind of made it worse. So, no, we'll see. It's there. I think there's many ways that we can heal, and I think light is foundational. So, I'm I'm interested to see because it is a a form of photobiomodulation. Absolutely, and you said it's specifically targeting the brain, or is it all over? It's the brain. He has protocols to stimulate parts of the brain. His his whole thing is that, you know, it's the same kind of thing with the nervous system, but the left brain is overdeveloped and the right brain is underdeveloped. And that leads to all kinds of autoimmune conditions. And this kind of the same thing with the fight, flight, freeze, overdeveloped left versus right. And so, yeah, this is a modality he's been using, using light therapy. So we'll, we'll see. Fascinating. Well, speaking of light, I mean, we've talked a lot about that so far today, Sarah. Are there any like low hanging fruit educational aspects you want to speak on regarding to light and its impact on health? Yeah. I mean, I think just keep it simple. You know, I, I, I can, you can get lost in some of my information and definitely carry some reading it and like feeling overwhelmed. Like you have to do all the things. And I get people in my private membership group all the time and they're like, I'm so overwhelmed. Like just, Literally, if you can only go outside for a couple minutes in the morning, if you just have a little something to eat, some nice protein and fat, just start slow, get a pair of cheap blue blockers. You don't have to buy the pricey, you know, top of the line, get some Spectra 479s. Carrie and I both tested those with a spectrometer. They're 30 bucks on Amazon. Get a pair of those and and just start start where you are and you'll feel better. You'll, you'll start to feel better and you'll want to add on more things, but don't feel like you have to, um, 
do all the protocols, do everything. And especially in a short amount of time, you've got, you have time, you know? It's all about building that momentum. Like you said, just, just make yes. small steps. You'll feel better. And that'll, that'll just have a snowball effect on other things. Circadian and quantum strategies. We've already kind of hashed this over, but maybe if there's anything else from a circadian or a quantum strategy perspective for weight loss, did we kind of already deliberate that, you know, speaking about my personal quandary or, or is there anything else you'd want to add there? Yeah. I mean, I think that's a basic place to start for, for everyone listening that might be struggling. I think those are basic low hanging fruit places to start. Once you dive a little bit deeper, maybe you can look into things like deuterium, which this lifestyle is naturally deuterium depleting, but that's, that's another thing that can be an issue with, you know, people healing or losing weight as they've you know, accumulated high amounts of deuterium. Things like sauna can help deplete deuterium. You don't have to go buy cases of the water because it's super expensive. There's things you can do naturally in your lifestyle. And the circadian lifestyle is foundational to having that actually work. But yeah, those are other avenues people can look into, other rabbit holes you can dive down. Yeah, that's a good point. And I initially started doing the uh, deuterium depleted water, but the bill gets high quickly, doesn't it? Oh, yeah. And like you said, oh, there's yeah. other strategies you can do to get similar yeah. or even better benefits, right? So, yeah. And I talked to Laszlo Boros. You know, he's the father really of all the deuterium research. And he's kind of got me on this cool email chain list with about 20 other people where he talks about new research and studies that he's doing. He doesn't tell people to use the water. He doesn't, he doesn't even necessarily like that for most people. He really wants people to have a lifestyle that is deuterium depleting. So he he's not a huge fan of the water and he's like the father of the deuterium research. So that I think that says a lot about, about deuterium depletion. Well, that's similar to Dr. Cruz's mantra of like, you shouldn't be dependent or like accumulating all of these supplements. You should be living right. a supplement-free lifestyle based on your habits, right? And that's what it's all about. Mm -hmm. It's probably more healthy for you, but equally importantly or as important is like it, your wallet's going to be not hit as hard because you're not going to be dependent yeah. on these supplements and other modalities like month after month after month after month. Yeah, those are all great points. Uh, is there anything you're doing in 2024, Sarah, that's new or novel to optimize your health and wellness? Or are you kind of just keeping on with, with what you, your current strategies, health strategies? I'm really just trying to keep on with my current health strategies. I'm trying to be outside more because that's the, the thing I did. I would just go hiking and get my phone on airplane mode and get out in the woods like five days a week. And I haven't been able to do that as much with a new baby, obviously. you know He's 16 months now. So I, I have a little bit more little more freedom, but that's really a goal of just to kind of get back out in the woods and, and do more hiking. And I'm working on a leptin for practitioners course because I've had so many people kind of come through the 21 day and they want more. And so I'm working on that. So who knows? I'm, I'm just piling together ridiculous amounts of research on leptin. Uh, so who knows what I'll find <laughs> and decide to try out that I mean, that I haven't already. Sure. We'll see. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, speaking of that Leptin 21 Day course, tell people where they can go to check it out if they're interested. Yeah. I mean, my website, www.sarahkleinerwellness.com. I've got that. I've got a three-day circadian kickstart. Like I've got a ton of little beginner courses. And then my Instagram at Sarah Kleiner Wellness. There's also a link there where you can find all my courses. And I have free resources too. I have like five different free eBooks that are, I mean, I, I look at them I'm like, God, these are so good. I should charge for them. But I won't do it. I still I still want to make this information accessible to people. And so those ebooks have a ton of information about how to, you know, build your perfect quantum day, as well as scientific literature, because people to do this stuff, sometimes they want to actually see some PubMed articles of like, mm -hmm. why does it work? How does it work? So I have that everywhere um, in all my courses and then all the free guides as well. There's always a scientific literature to back up what I'm recommending as well. Love it. That's all amazing. Lastly, Sarah, I don't want to gloss over the mitochondria. I mean, that's a huge part of quantum health and, and yeah, circadian yeah. health. And I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you if there's anything relative to the mitochondria that you want to talk about from a quantum health perspective or, or health strategies, hacks, anything that we didn't talk about today? Well, I mean, I think if people are looking to improve their mitochondria, again, to do the simple low-hanging fruit, the circadian rhythms, things like grounding, you know, what we really want is that efficiency in the mitochondria to move energy across those, those you know, through the electron transport chain. And we're, we're so caught up on, 
on food. You know, food is the only energy source of the body. But when you start to understand how the mitochondria works, it's all electrons. So we get electrons from food. We get electrons from sunlight, red light therapy, grounding. Cold therapy can help to make the electron transport chain more efficient. Deuterium depletion can again, because the you know deuterium gets sequestered into the mitochondria, that can slow it down. So all the things we talk about really are supportive of the mitochondria as well. So it's it's fun to get like Carrie's really great at you know taking it to that next level. But I think just keep it simple. And, you know, I love thinking I'm obsessed with water. That's another thing that I, I used to just be so obsessed with food. But now I'm looking at the mitochondria and I've talked to some polymaths and some some of the smartest people in the world, I think. And a lot of people are saying that the um, purpose of the mitochondria is to make deuterium depleted water as our energy currency, not necessarily ATP. So really exploring that and the cellular water and that coherence and resonance in the body is really, really fascinating to, to look at it from that lens. Do you use cold water therapy? Do you do cold plunges, stuff like that regularly? I bought for myself as like a push present, a Morosco forge. So I've got a forge in my little she shed out here. But to be honest, I haven't been utilizing it as much uh, because we've had a lot of stress going on with my daughter. She's had some kind of health issues, as I've mentioned. So I think cold therapy is fabulous. I love it. I mean, I loved it enough to spend $12,000 on a freaking ice plunge (laughs) for my house, but I haven't been going more than once a month because I've had a lot of stress going on with my daughter. And so I think it's a beautiful, wonderful tool, but if you have high stress, it can push your body over the edge. So I'm hoping to get back to it as, uh, as things kind of chill out here, but especially as a woman, I think you have to be careful not to overdo it and not to jump into the more, uh, more is better mentality. But it, it, that was another thing I did that I think enhanced my fertility was three times a week, cold plunge. And when, again, you look at how cold kind of shrinks the space between respiratory proteins and the mitochondria so that those electrons can move across faster. You make more, I think deuterium depleted water is really the the currency. But I think that that was actually a fertility enhancer for me. So that's why I bought, I bought the tub because I loved it so much. But if you got a lot of stress, then I don't think you should force yourself to, to jump in cold right. water, honestly. Yeah. And that's another way to help with leptin resistance, correct? Is some oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it it lowers serum leptin quickly. And, you know, I've been talking with Dr. Sarah Pugh about this because she actually came uh, when my daughter was really going through a lot of stuff. She stayed with us from the end of, she came on Halloween and left like the middle of December. So she kind of lived with me. <laughs> she lived with me for a while in this in this office here. She stayed here and she's she dives deep into all this stuff way further than I do. And she was talking about how she's found some research that cold therapy can shrink old fat cells. Mm-hmm. And as somebody who's been obese multiple times in my life, uh, and I've always felt like once I get to a certain weight, my body kind of fights me to to put you know, to fill the fat cells back up again. But she's found some interesting research that cold therapy makes UVC light in the body and can actually kill old fat cells. And so I think that's also been, yeah, it's inter- it's very interesting research, but I think that's been part of another way that I've gotten, you know, down to a weight that I was even lower than I was before I got pregnant. It can't because I did a lot of cold therapy over the summer before my daughter started having health problems. I did a ton of it, and I think that that's also been another mechanism at which I've been able to easily maintain a weight that I've never easily maintained before. Just for like a quick rundown of like the process of doing it, is it something where you try to do it essentially as long as possible? Like you're going to start off doing a handful of seconds and then you build it up to 30 and then a minute and then a couple of minutes. Is it something where you're constantly wanting to build up that time or is there kind of a cap you want to look out for, so to speak? Yeah. And I've got a whole whole therapy course just because I've, you know, when I, I got really into it, I did a lot of study and pulled a lot of research on it. Um, I start people out with like a face dunk or wrist dunk, just, just, just to start that mammalian dive reflex. And then if you're going to start the cold therapy, just to do an immersion, I start people out at like 60 degrees, 70 degrees. If there's Southern equatorial haplotype, you know, cause it's just harder to cold adapt if you have that Southern mitochondrial haplotype. And so anything colder than your body temperature is cold therapy. And so I'll start people out at 60 degrees 
and you know just a couple minutes and slowly taking that temp down but once somebody is able to and so for me it took me about 6 weeks to move from 60 degrees down to about 32 degrees literally 6 weeks and not going over with the time i find that if you try to do more than 3 to 5 minutes at those really cold temps it can push the stress bucket too high sure. and there's not really a, a reason to go more than 3 to 5 minutes in those super cold temps and even in the really you know the higher temps too is something to play around with cruise is a big fan of like 55 degrees for 20 minutes but i find for women those longer plunges can again push the stress bucket even if it's at 55 degrees so i prefer to you know get the temp down. doesn't have to be 32 degrees. You can go into the forties and three to five minutes is plenty. Some days I'll only do two minutes, but the important thing is to always immerse up to the neck, like cold therapy and the plunging is so popular now on social media. I see people plunging all the time and I'm like, go up to your neck. Like, because it, there's a thing called the turnover effect that happens after about 90 seconds. And the more cold that you do, the quicker that turnover effect happens. But if you immerse, you know, get this collarbone and the back of the neck in the water, your body naturally warms. There's a there's a time mm. where you're like, God, oh, God, oh, God. And then kind of like a, a, a switch will flip and your body is, is super it warms. So I always say the hardest part is getting in and then getting out. You're like, oh, I got to get out now because <laughs> you're going to shiver when you get out. But yeah, I, I think that we overdo everything and and more is not better. Longer is not better. Colder is not even necessarily better for people to see those benefits. And what about cold showers? Are those worth doing? Like, is it that mantra of like something's better than nothing? Or is like to get the full effects or optimal effects, you really want to do the plunge? Well, I think that something's better than nothing. I think that you can activate activate some of that, you know, brown adipose tissue from doing the cold on, especially on your neck. However, I hate cold showers because your body never, you never have that turnover effect that I just mm. mentioned. Cause it's like half your body is getting hit with cold. The other half is, <laughs> is getting hit with nothing. Right. And so you never, you never get that turnover effect and it never really gets to me, it never really gets easier. And so I think there's definitely benefits to cold shower if you don't you know, have access to a, a cold tub or anything like that. Sure. But I think for the maximum benefits, the plunging is, is kind of where it's at. But again, don't let perfect be the enemy of good. Sure. No, that makes sense. Uh, and lastly, I don't want to gloss over what you mentioned with the mitochondria producing deuterium depleted water may supersede the importance of ATP production. Um, is this a hunch or a theory for, from some people, or is there some research to kind of uh, prove this out? I think more and more research is coming out of Dr. Pollock's lab, Dr. Gerald Pollock, that yep. is pointing to this. And so that's that's someone doing a lot of this work. And then just if you think about the fact that we're 99% water molecule, um, that every single cell is surrounded by, by water and, you know, dehydration and having lack of cellular water is the, you know, root cause of like up to 80% of diseases. And so again, like so, some of the smartest people I've ever met, one of the, the actually the scientific advisor for Wizard Sciences and Lee LeCue is a good friend of mine. And he he was at my house back in October and we had this this whole conversation. He's like, it's the water, Sarah. I'm like, I know. And you're you're like a million times smarter than me. So I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna keep following that hunch. But he he was really talking about this this whole mechanism of of cellular water and that kind of quantum communication in the body. Like I think this uh this biochemical model that we have of the body of like put in this supplement and get this result or put, you know, like it's, it's slow and it's inefficient. And, and I've seen and experienced kind of the body shifting on this, this quicker level and this kind of quantum coherence and communication in the body. And I think that has to do with the water network of the body. So that's, yeah. In the end, is the paradigm the same to get, because the current paradigm, let's say is we want our mitochondria to be more efficient to produce more ATP efficiently. So is it the same construct? Like we're trying to do the same thing where we're trying to optimize mitochondrial health, but instead of the end result necessarily being more ATP, it's more efficient deuterium depleted water production? Yes. Basically, essentially. Like we're not yeah, changing coach, anything. It's just potentially the output uh, and the yeah. importance of the output is different. Yeah. Yeah. Coaching the body to make more water essentially the mitochondria to make more water. Yeah. 
It, it's it's pretty interesting. And, you know, when you start to look into some of the work of like Veda Austin and see what she's doing with with water, you're like, there's there's really, really something to this. And like I said, I used to be a big nutrition food person. And now I'm like kind of obsessed with water at this point. And does the water we consume play a role in that? Or is it really, again, about optimizing mitochondrial function to get that deuterium depleted uh, water production? I think it helps. I think we don't want to be drinking tap water and we don't want to be drinking something like plain distilled water that washes the minerals out. And we do need to be aware of the minerals and, and putting minerals in the body. Uh, and again, not washing away our natural minerals because those are kind of like electrical impulse, you know, currents within the cell that are are crucial. And there's a balance there that has to be maintained. So I do think that what we drink is important. And, and I have all like my whole kitchen is like a water, <laughs> kind of like a water lab at this point. My husband's like, oh, what is this thing? So I'm playing around with a lot of stuff right now. Hydrogen is something we're playing around with. Inhalation, making hydrogen water. Yeah. So there's, I do think that what we drink is impactful. But if you, if you have a lifestyle that you have crappy circadian health, you are living in a high non-native EMF environment, you're never going outside to ground, you never are seeing sun, you're eating a crappy diet, then all the expensive water in the world is not going to fix that because you're going to be working uphill. Totally, totally agree. And regarding water, what are your thoughts on electron uh, rich water generators? Are you a fan or not so much? Not the ones that use electrolysis, because I think that, you know, and I've talked with Veda Austin about this, Jen Isabel Friend. I've had a lot of conversations on my podcast about this, but it, it just, I think it destroys the structure of the water and electrolysis is kind of, it, it shocks it. And when you understand water and consciousness and you see how vibration, energy, all these things impact water to electrocute it, doesn't make any sense. And I see people have some good short-term results from these types of machines but then it, it flips after a while. And so it's it's like all the rage, these machines, but I've I've kind of seen them poor, go poorly. And Jen Isabel Friend, I always send people to her page and her YouTube channel. She has like a whole playlist that explains this in a lot more depth of why sure. these are not, yeah, not not good, not good machines. Good information. And so basically you want clean water. But you want to insert minerals too. I mean, or have some mm -hmm. ketone water of some sort, not drinking out of plastic bottles, possibly structured water if, if you can have an apparatus yeah. to do so, so, stuff like that. Yeah, I think basics for people, and I'm thinking about doing a little short video on my YouTube channel soon, is just clean. So I actually prefer distilled. I think it's cleaner than RO. RO, there's some issues with, you know, filtered water like that. Um, and just changing the filters and what it actually filters versus not. So I'm, I've am i started to really be a fan of distilled for purification, adding minerals back in. I'm a huge fan of Quinton, but you can use like Baja Gold or make your own Soleil water. Those are the two basics I think everyone should should try to do. And you can also collect your own spring water. At, uh, I think findaspring.org is a really good resource if you just want to, because that's what we should be drinking is natural right. spring water, but not everyone can access that. And then if you want to structure the water, you can do that with a structuring device, or you can use the sunlight, the moonlight. I'm a big fan of structuring with intention. Because yeah. again, when we when we look at what Veda is doing just with a Petri dish, and she's duplicating this all over the world with a simple intention, it's pretty fascinating. And it's like basically like adding electrons to the water naturally. And then hydrogen is another fun thing. It's kind of like adding a bunch of little suns to the water. And so, yeah, we've been doing hydrogen inhalation, drinking hydrogen water because that research is ridiculous. You get lost in that for days. And so hydrogen structuring, kind of the little extra fun things that you can do. But as a basic, I think filtered with some sort of a mineral added back in is what most people sure. should be aiming to do. Yeah. Gotcha. We'll love it. I'm glad I asked that last question that led to all this great information at the end. I appreciate it, Sarah. Yeah. Go ahead and tell everyone, you've already mentioned, you know, where you can find the 21 day course, but just where they can go to learn more from you and about you. And I have all of these links. I'll, I'll put all of these for your website, courses, Instagram, podcast, YouTube, and the freebies. I'll put all of those links in the show notes. So anyone listening can go find those there. 
Yeah. I mean, that's basically it. And yeah. if you just want to go to YouTube, type in Sarah Kleiner Wellness, I've got a YouTube channel. Uh, where I do kind of like more short form videos and my Instagram, I put up a new post every day with information. And I just love sharing about this stuff because I think it's changed my life more than any diet I've ever tried. And I've, I've tried a lot of stuff. We could be here for hours talking about all the stuff I've tried. So this is, this is, I'm going to shortcut it for you guys. Just, just check out this stuff and you don't, it's not as much work. (laughs) Simply amazing. Well, I appreciate it, Sarah. Thanks for your time. Thanks for sharing all this information. Thanks for the education you put out there, both your your course and your freebie stuff. I mean, that's simply amazing. And this is the information for people with all walks of life of trying to optimize their health and wellness. Like this is the type of information they need. So so please go check out Sarah and, and all of her resources. Well, Sarah, it's been a pleasure. We'll have you on again, no doubt. I mean, this is the type of information I love just to geek out on. And like you said, there's so many rabbit holes we could have other podcast episodes on. So I'm sure we will down the road. Yeah, thank you. It was so much fun chatting with you. And I hope everyone enjoys the conversation. Absolutely. Well, for Sarah Kleiner, this is Dr. Mike Belkowski signing off another episode of the Red Light Report. Uh, You guys have a fantastic week, and I'll see you on the next episode. Thank you for listening to the Red Light Report. If you like what you heard today, go ahead and leave us a review on iTunes and other podcast platforms to help spread the word so other people can learn about the many health, wellness, and longevity benefits of red light therapy. If you're looking for more educational content, check out our Instagram page at biolight.shop and our YouTube channel, Biolight. I'm Dr. Mike Belkowski, and I'll see you on the next episode.